You don't just wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to be a professional snapper. You work your whole life. Previously on Watch and Talk. As you so eloquently put it, his dingling. I want to say the dong dong. Real talk? Real talk. I'm gonna I see some pretty skanky poly <laughs> <laughs> Inappropriate. Oh, you do not want to go to an upstate strip club. By the way, is, so funny. is it facial work or is it just acting? No, we call it facial work now. But a doop, doop. Can that be the new America song? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Watch and Talk. This week is an episode called Celestial Navigation. Previously on is a CJ, and this has my um, favorite structure of previously ons. It's the everybody introducing themselves format. My name is Sam Seaborn, and I'm the deputy communications director. Josh Lyman, deputy chief of staff. I'm Jack Bartlett. Charles Young. It's just everybody saying their name and then saying what job they do in order. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But My with some one, charming twists. Leo's is the best, though. We've met 10 or 12 times. I'm Leo McGarry, White House Chief of Staff. I thought you were the butler. That's like a good thing to do, you know, every so often when they're airing this stuff on television. But the funny thing is this episode kind of lends itself to being an introduction episode because of the format. Yeah. And last week was such a like a self-contained one that yeah. there's no they they cleared out all the stuff with Leo that was a huge long-running plot line. Then they had a standalone episode, and this kind of starts the Mendoza stuff up a little bit again. But like this, jo- Josh is explaining all of the backstory to the audience, mm-hmm. who can be you. Yeah, and we get a little of Josh's history too. Yeah, it's a good backstory episode. We kind of forgot about Leo, haven't we? What about him? He did the drugs. That's over. Yeah, okay. yeah they negotiated Problem that thing solved. out. Oh, it's all good? Yeah, it's all yeah. done. Yeah, they aren't going to do the sex ed bill. Oh, good. So everybody forgot about Leo. Hmm. That worked out. Yeah. It's a fair trade. Yeah. Don't teach kids about, like, our reproductive system. But, uh, you know. Yeah, kids, if you're listening, shit's great. <laughs> It Check it out. The episode starts with Josh backstage at some kind of like lecture venue. He's getting introduced, and he's on, but he's on the phone with Sam to start. Mendoza got arrested for what? Drunk driving, resisting arrest, and I think disorderly conduct. And Sam is very adamant that Mendoza does not drink. Mendoza doesn't drink. He was arrested for drunk driving. Roberto Mendoza doesn't drink. Josh sets that up for later. Josh is worried, but. He has to go on stage. They cut out to the stage, and Josh is getting introduced. And we get a little bit of Josh's history there. Floor manager for the House Minority Whip and Chief of Staff for Congressman Earl Brennan. After serving as Senior Political Director for Jed Bartlett's presidential campaign, he was appointed Deputy White House Chief of Staff. And one thing that was missing, which seems like an oversight, is that he did not work for Hoynes. Winning smile. Yeah, I noticed that. Oh. Uh, it's a big deal later and i thought already that josh worked for hoynes yeah that's definitely known but it could also be like oh you know what it could be actually i think hoynes tried to get him to come work for him no that he worked in his senate staff oh he did he was his chief of staff oh maybe he wanted to run for president and josh yeah that was that happens later. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's I, so, so it's a little bit of uh, continuity issues there that they they goofed on. Then they cut after that. It's the Sam, CJ, and Toby worrying about this arrest. It doesn't look good. A Supreme Court nominee getting arrested for a DUI is pretty bad. Definitely would not go well. He's in jail in like rural Connecticut. And Leo says, Sam, there's an Air Force Learjet with its motor running. Fly to Westchester County Airport, rent a car, drive to Wesley, and get the next Associate Justice of the Supreme Court out of jail. I guess it makes sense that Sam would have to do that. In a jet? He's going to take an Air Force plane, which that alone seems like a misuse of resources to take uh, for a political cover, to take military resources. Yeah, there's going to be investigations. I just want to set up a timeline here, too. So Sam was outside. He was taking a car to the White House, and he called Josh. And Josh was, like, getting introduced. 
So this is maybe 15 to 20 minutes later. He's at the White House and he's taking off to go to Connecticut from D.C. Is everybody like, everybody yes. cool with yeah, that? Yes. All right. Well, let's just keep track of okay. where Sam is at any given moment because <laughs> it does not make any sense. Um, yeah. Toby's going to go too, to Connecticut. I, we need, I thought we, they drove. They didn't drive? He said there's a plane with its engines on waiting for you. Take it to White Plains and then rent a car and drive to this jail in Connecticut. That's what Leo tells him to do. They probably take the Mare Parkway. <laughs> Can't they just take a helicopter? That's pretty far, though. Oh. DC? How far do helicopters go? Isn't White Plains in New York? It is. It's the nearest airport. It's like North New York, and then yeah. you cut over. <laughs> Everything north of that is just like a farm and like a weird, you know, like compound where people keep their, their families. Josh's interview is after that. He very much sets it up that he's just going to tell you the story of the episode. The story I'm about to tell you all happened within the last 36 hours. He's like, let me tell you a story about what's happened in the last 36 hours. I love this like format. It's such a good storytelling tool. And also the interviewer um, that Josh is talking to, I thought kind of looked like he could be James Lipton's like crunchy granola brother. He's public service yes, James Lipton instead of actor yes. James Lipton. It seemed like boring Rob Reiner. <laughs> and I, I also liked in that scene Josh's setup for the episode because it's kind of there's a lot of events that happen. Uh, anyone who's been reading the papers in the last few days has probably been following along with what we call the news cycle that wouldn't end. Depending on how you look at it, it started either with a cabinet secretary losing her temper a committee chairman baiting her during a hearing, the president answering a question he shouldn't have, a dentist appointment, or me being stupid. You know that they're all coming, and so the, you don't have to like worry too much about the plot because you know exactly what the plot of the episode's going to be. You just see them happening. I thought that was somewhat clever. Yeah, it's a great little cheat. You kind of wish they could do it more often, but it's sort of like a one-off gimmick. Uh, so as he starts telling the story, they, they flash back. Is that our first flashback? I think so. Yeah. They they get more clever with the plot structures over time. And this is the start of that a little bit. It starts with uh, CJ's press conference. And there's some details on that education program they've been talking about for a few weeks. It's uh, 100,000 new teachers. It ends up, we find out later, it's $700 million in funding. So it's like, what, $7,000 a teacher? <laughs> Something like that. Sounds about right. Um, I thought one of the really cool things that they're going to do is um, if you are a teacher and you teach in a like a public school or something for like, three years, you'll get all of your student loans paid by the government or like forgiven. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that would be so cool if they did that like in real life. I think they do. Really? Yeah. Is that that's a AmeriCorps? AmeriTeach? Or teach, teach for America? Teach maybe? for America. Something yeah. like that. It's all the same stuff. Is it a program you have to get into, though? You yes. can't. I think you have to apply for yeah, it. This yeah, this is like if you go to a like kind of bad public school and teach for three years there, then you will get all your loans forgiven. There's no like program you have to get accepted into, it seems, in the outline for this fake plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. They That's should... pretty analogous to a real world thing, but this sounds more Dreamy. broad. Yeah. <laughs> Sam thinks they should postpone the press conference because there's a bill signing and they want to control the news cycle a little better. CJ says she can't do that because she has a dentist appointment. Or she, first she tries to get out of she tries to get out of her dentist appointment, but Sam is insistent that she goes. Your teeth are the best friends you got, CJ. They are. You take care of them, they'll take care of you. He's very cheerful about teeth and he's says the nut. silliest he, he's thing. He's nuts for dental hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> He's very much his character. From he says your Parks teeth are your best friends or yeah. something. It's really funny. Sam is like really weird and entertaining in well, this Well, he's episode. become like fully neurotic, quirky, like totally non-threatening Sam now. Until he gets very threatening, which he does like every four episodes. He gets super and serious. And in this and... episode, he, he does a really good job. He yeah. does have a moment, yeah. He's like, take care of your teeth. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Later. <laughs> They also have a scene with Josh and Toby. It's a, a press uh, nightmare in the works. It's the HUD secretary 
called a Republican a racist, which is completely unfathomable. That's crazy. <laughs> that never would gonna never, happen. ever happen in today's world. Mandy's there. <laughs> and then is she? She she comes in to tell them what they're already talking about. She's like the exposition <laughs> about the details she, of what she, happened. Yeah, she reads the like wire story. Here's what she said. Public housing has serious problems, Mr. Chairman. I don't deny that. But if you and your colleagues in the Republican Party no. were as invested in solving the problems associated with poverty as you are in scoring political points on the backs of poor people and minorities, you might just see the value. Are you calling me a racist wooden shop back? Of course not. She answered wisely. If the shoe fits, responded the secretary. They say that they got to tell the president. And they cut right to the Oval Office. Uh, the president's super mad. He's mostly mad although is he yeah he's really <laughs> mad about this one particular thing which is that she uses a cliche yeah it's no not a good insult this show isn't exactly the most insult comedy of white house shows i think veep's got that title. <laughs> yeah well I, yeah uh do we know why they why they're so bothered by this cliche i think it's a fine <laughs> cliche it could, it could i think be... it's a way of not having to actually come out and specifically mouth the words you are a racist which might be more damaging as a PR. Yeah, it's, a, it's a concise way of saying like, well, you seem like you're being you're a racist. You're acting like a racist. Yeah. yeah, I think it makes sense. She should. I think she should have said, if it quacks like a duck. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just silly and it's funnier. I think it's more fun. The president, after that, walks across to the mural room and he's doing the bill signing and he ends up taking a couple questions. Then they have this weird cutaway to Josh and he's on stage. And I made a note that he is manspreading like crazy here. <laughs> He's at like a 60 degree angle with his legs. We just lost all of our MRA listeners. <laughs> and men rights, men's rights oh. activists. Is manspreading, is that, are they manspreading denials? You know, yes. men are really like, you know, undermining themselves if they subordinate to an acronym. So, you gotta spread just, out the syllables. You gotta man up and say all the words. You know, or woman up, and say all the words. Thank you. Yeah, I said Elise. it for you, Braden. Yeah, yes. thank you. You guys need to woman down. Uh, Danny ha- asked a question to the president in the in the press conference that he's talking uh, he's about. He's a troublemaker this episode, mm-hmm. a real mm-hmm. troublemaker. You think you know you're stooping our administration's press secretary? You think you could throw us a bone here? Stooping? Yeah, I, I use the word stooping. Yeah, I said stooping. What are you, an anti-Semite? <laughs> Yeah, that's no, right. I just, what's the mm. Yiddish word for making out in hallways? Oh, I bet it's really pre pre stripping. <laughs> and there's probably a yeah, they're pre strip for stripping. <laughs> so he asked the president about the press secretary comment, and he kind of keeps badgering about it. I thought the president gave decent answers to that. Then I will tell you that I agree that the Republican Party does not have a comprehensive program for combating poverty in this country. That being said. There are countless Republicans who are working very hard to change their party's legacy on some of these issues. And I hope to be working with them to do just that. And Danny kept saying, excuse me. I'm sure that was an answer to some question, Mr. President. It just wasn't the answer to mine. He eventually prods him into saying that like an apology would be appropriate, which is always such a big deal in politics. I really do not get the like he must apologize for this thing. It's like it's not magic to say you're sorry about something. But anyways, well, they, she really doesn't want to do it. Yeah, she doesn't want to do out it later. And Josh makes a big deal about pointing out that it, CJ wasn't there to stop it because she was at her uh, dental appointment. If only we'd stopped it right there. But what's weird is that Toby was in the room. He's the chief, chief communications officer. Like, why can't he stop it? Right, or anybody. Sam should have yeah. known. Josh should have known. Yeah. And then... There, we kind of get like cut out of the story here when Josh gets a phone call on stage. That's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, there's a thing. I have, I have to answer this now. This will just uh, take a second. Which is a huge alpha move there to, <laughs> to be in a packed auditorium and be like, everybody chill for a minute. I got to take a phone call. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's me. Are you there yet? We're lost. You're lost? So... Josh is what three minutes into this thing, and Sam has already called him, gone to the White House, gone to the airport, flew. I looked up this flight. It's an hour and twenty minute flight from DC to White Plains. Nice. Rented a car, and now they're driving, and they're already lost. And they didn't even but, get a map. 
They didn't even get or a map. Google, Google Maps. Well, they were they were in a rush. Yeah. Because this is at least two hours later, and Josh was going on stage, and he told us about the HUD secretary so far. So there's Leo and the secretary O'Leary. She's the woman who said the racist thing, and she doesn't want to apologize. Look, I called it like I saw it. Well, now you're going to apologize for it. I can't. You can. I won't. You will. He's, he's such an enforcer in this scene. He's, he, he he plays hardball. He kind of does like a Jedi mind trick to her a little bit. Yeah, because like, she comes. Will she comes around to his way. She's like, "All right," and then he tells her the thing about the cliche. She's like, "Yep, I did it." <laughs> well, I he, said the thing. He does like a good cop, bad cop switcheroo on her, where he's like, "You're gonna fucking do it," and she's like, "Oh yeah, what if I don't?" And then instead of him being like, "We'll fucking fire you," he's like, "No, no, no." You're doing great work, Deb. President's nuts about you. Always has been. He'll cry for three minutes after he fires your ass, and then he'll say, what's next? Which is yeah. totally what he would say. Yeah. yeah, that's like the tagline of the West Wing. I thought that was a good scene. It showed how, how persuasive Leo can be when he wants to be. But again, to come back to cliche, the cliche, she's like understanding. She's like, yep, I, could have done I something did, better. you know, not my, not my finest moment. She's adamant that she's in the right to have insinuated this person's racism. But she does Leo acknowledge that, that she could have, she could have done it in a with a nicer phrase. Yeah, Leo even agrees. He says he didn't fall off the turnip truck. He knows what the guy was saying. I mean, but what's it's politics. Turnip truck. <laughs> he that's ain't a, a country that's a cliche. That's that's a old, yeah. That's a cliche too. Right? Should, she should have called him out on that. Man, so many people doing the turnip truck line. It's like we're you sick of it. You would think that a truck that's carrying turnips would also have other root vegetables on it and not just turnips. Yeah, what do you disdain the United States agricultural industry, sir? Yeah. Like it's so much more diverse than what you think. And it'd be pretty easy to stay on. Turnips? Yeah, turnips have... turnips are grippy. Yeah, you can grip a turnip. <laughs> Hold on to a turnip, ma'am. But okay, so the one thing this episode kind of doesn't get into is it's not really a problem that she was like rude enough to call someone a racist. It's that it hijacks the, the news cycle. Like that's the problem. So it's not like he was, but he really was a racist. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You, you can't like get it, pick a fight with someone or get suckered into a fight with someone. Cause then it gets us off our message. Right. Like, that's, that's not the what we're talking bad. about today. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, but it seemed like it seemed to harken back to a time Far, far before this current age, where it was like really damaging to one's party to, you know, to call someone a racist. That's insane. You yeah, never- I think that's a, I think you're right that that was like the prevailing view of like a certain level of kind of uh, discourse that politicians were Like politics have. gotten nastier. Yeah. A lot nastier. But I think, I think even back then people were like, just don't, you know, don't pick stupid fights with people and the apology isn't because she really does owe him an apology it's like that ends the story it goes away and the press yeah, stops talking yeah, she about misspoke it. she apologized let's move on yeah i think that the thing about calling people racist the way she does though is that she infers someone's a racist by their not on the surface racist position versus saying things that are openly racist about a specific person is I think we still draw that line too. Like people still get up in a huff if you say, "Oh, your policies against welfare or whatever, or you know, food stamps are are racist," and they're like, "No, we just don't just... care about government, states' rights, whatever." But if you point out a specific person's race <laughs> and say they're unable to judge you accurately, <laughs> for instance, then it becomes like it kind of breaks through that. It's the acuity of it versus the like broad application of racism because your policies end up affecting minorities more over the long like it's a lot of sure. steps in between there yeah there's but a lot I of still think though if you called someone racist for something that's like vaguely racist and not overtly you would never you still wouldn't have to apologize today for that yeah think? probably not i think right? it's accepted yeah that that's part of the, those are the words we can use cj comes back from her dental appointment and she can't do the press conference now because she had I had root canal. What happened to your cheeks? I had root canal. 
Why are you talking like that? I had root canal. Yeah, I heard you the first time. I was just amusing myself. That phrasing sticks with me. People always say that I had root canal. Why isn't it a root canal? Yeah, that I don't understand. This bothers me so much. The whole uh, the whole scene. I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> people so people really do that though. So I th- I've heard people say it like that at before. first I thought it's like she was having so much trouble talking she was That's eliminating unnecessary words but no it, later on she's talking in full sentences yeah it's it's so weird also she didn't go to a dentist what do you dentists mean dentists don't do root canals the oral surgeon <laughs> oral surgeon oh. or an endodontist somebody can't be both I mean if you're if you're gonna be a dental surgeon you're not doing cleanings you got yeah, better stuff to do with your day. <laughs> Yeah, but if I was going to an oral surgeon, I would probably just say to my coworkers, I'm going to the dentist. It's like, you know. I guess. But well, it was an so emergency. You're a liar. She didn't even know she had to do that, though. That's true. She went in for a right. cavity or something, probably. Or- but I know I've, I've had to have emergency root canal. <laughs> <laughs> one, or, one or more than one. One okay, and a root canal, and I and I went in, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, this is not good," and then sent me to an endodontist, where like right the, away. Where was the endodontist? I had to drive over there. Oh, several miles away. This was not in New York. This was in Florida. Oh. Yeah, because so I feel like now you could go to an endodontist, and it would be like, "Go upstairs." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So they get a lot of laughs out of CJ having, what, what's the painkiller that they put in your mouth called? Novocaine. No, Novocaine. Yeah, she's no, Novocaine and cotton. cotton. So she's yeah. pronouncing things as W's. Yeah. And Josh makes her say some things just to see if he can make her say some things. Say I went to a foggy bottom. What you doing on a foggy bottom? I just want to see if I can make you say Foggy Bottom. Yeah. See, Foggy Bottom is how Sam got to where he got so quickly. Do they have a time machine? Yes. <laughs> he passed through the Foggy Bottom triangle. <laughs> so Josh says that he's going to do the briefing instead because they, they have to do this briefing. They have to get the HUD apology out there. They have to play up the bill signing. It's obviously a bad idea. It was it was almost hard for me to watch because you know it's such a bad idea. He sets himself up with such hubris. He's like so tragically overconfident. Hey there, cats and kittens. This is Josh Lyman coming at you with your two o'clock briefing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Josh Lyman coming at you. Yeah, that part's great. There's that weird part line he says. Please be very careful. Try very, very hard not to destroy us. You shouldn't say that, CJ. You got a great body. Here we go. Yeah, yeah I could I not. I could yeah. not figure out what. It's, it's a non sequitur. <laughs> Actually, I think I, I'm not sure about this, but I think I didn't see it in the subtitles. So I think he just kind of oh, winged that's that funny. <laughs> yeah, so he goes in. King Cannon trying to tell him, like, don't do this. You guys have been coddled. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not your camp counselor. And I'm not your sixth grade teacher you had a crush on. I'm a graduate of Harvard and Yale. And I believe that my powers of debate can rise to meet the Socratic wonder that is the White House press corps. Okie dokie. And then it starts, okay, he uh, he gets the HUD thing out of the way. But then when he starts taking questions, things go uh, south pretty quick. He insults a guy for asking a question if the president smokes. Danny asks a really, really stupid economics question. Economists worry that continuing drop in unemployment will create increased pressure on wages. Uh, in effect, driving them up. Is the president worried that this could lead to a resurgence of inflation? And that's such garbage economics, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it makes no sense. And the correct answer from Josh would have been, I dispute your premise. Right. Or to say, if we're worried about inflation, the Fed will lower interest rates, which is what they always do. And that's there's a there's a million mechanisms for controlling and, and not that. only that the Fed is independent from the White House. So the White House isn't really supposed to dictate to the Federal Reserve, like what to do about inflation and interest rates. Everything about it is yeah. dumb. You can pick it apart from a million angles. It's it's such a stupid question. But Josh gets drawn into it. He eventually gets baited into saying that twenty four PhDs on the Council of Economic Advisors, Katie, they have a plan to fight inflation. Is the reason you won't tell us about it that it's a secret? Yeah, Danny, we have a secret inflation plan. Secret. Didn't he say later that it went? 30 minutes of him trying to play down the, <laughs> the secret plan for inflation. 
Uh, and then they cut out of there uh, back to the interview. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't have to watch 30 minutes of that. That was painful. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sweating visibly. This is one indication that this is a pretty long interview that he's doing because there's an intermission in the middle of it. I've been to some of these like public seminar things. They're always like 40 minutes long. There's like 90. This seems like a 92nd Street Y type event, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's like there for the entire. He's there for day. at least four hours by <laughs> my it's, math. It's also like <laughs> judging from the age of the audience. This is like a free thing. <laughs> he's not getting paid for this. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's at a it's a student. Yeah. It's like a lecture series at a college. Yeah. So no, he's not. He's not going to be there for more than an hour. Right. So the guy makes a reference, the host of the show, while while it's breaking up, he makes a reference to the cigarette uh, question. So how detailed is Josh getting in this story? <laughs> well, he has to kill two hours. <laughs> so the only explanation for this is that the audience is somehow like watching the show as well <laughs> at the same time we are. And then I so I I watched this really late the other night and my next note is what is reality? <laughs> Cuz it's they seem to know every detail about the story that we're watching. Is Wait this, a minute. I will say Are we in the show? <laughs> um I will say though no. that the cigarette thing was I think that was the first question that he got when he opened the questions. Yeah, up. it was. Yeah, so it, it it sort of makes sense that he would tell them about that because it was the first like screw up that he. It was the did. ramping up of the yeah. animosity, and he called like he called the question stupid, mm-hmm. and then everyone was like, "That's not a stupid question," and then immediately that's like when it started to go really downhill for him. So, uh, one of the weird things about this like speech scene that they're cutting back to, or the I guess the talk, Josh is usually very dry when he delivers a joke. Or like a, a wry comment. Like he doesn't smile or laugh at his own jokes. But I thought it was really off-putting that every time he made a wisecrack in this speaking engagement, he would like kind of like do a little indicating expression to the audience. Like, I'm, I'm making a joke right now. It's like, it's like a laugh track. Well, and he also made like that same sort of like laughing at himself thing when he was talking to Danny about the White House press corps and how he could handle it. Like the whole... Yeah, but usually, usually he isn't as like, like, ha ha ha, like the gaze around the room. He's, yeah, I mean, he's obviously I, like hamming it up. But I give credit to Bradley Whitford for like altering the way he plays Josh mm-hmm. in that context yeah. in a like, kind of a real he's way. He's playing for the back rows. Yeah. So we get a slight return here of the Josh fan club as he's walking out and making another call to Sam. These two like girls. You're great. Thanks. He's yeah. like, hey girls, <laughs> hey co-eds. Excellent compliment. This is the last time they try to make Josh a sex object <laughs> for the rest of the series. Yeah, so he calls the guys and they're lost, um, but they're not really lost because they're actually at the place they want to be. But they make one more little uh, married couple spat out of <laughs> Sam and Toby. There's a store open up there. I'm going to pull over and ask them if they know where the Wesley Police Station is. Or you can just pull in there at the Wesley Police Station and ask them. Hey! Yeah. Fuck! Yeah. We found it. Let's get this done and get out of here. And Sam gets really excited and he pulls in and they go inside the police station. Sam does the most like half... He he basically does it like a con man would where he flashes (laughs) his wallet open and he's like, I'm I'm with the White House guy. I assume it says White House in there. Oh, did we miss the part where Sam says that he's using celestial navigation? Oh, yeah, we missed the title line. The title. Yeah. It's so funny. That was in the first phone call, I think. Yeah, they like get lost, and Sam's like, I'm using celestial navigation to figure out which way is east. But So here's the thing. Th- this makes no sense. And you can tell that Josh is an unreliable narrator, because clearly sam knows every single road in the entirety of new england josh isn't narrating this this is happening in real time maybe maybe. no it is because he got the call that mendoza got arrested right before he went on stage that's the whole oh that's right all the car stuff is happening in real time just the mendoza part isn't being told to the audience yeah you're right yeah but no jason makes a good point early in the episode they take two different scenes take time in two different scenes to point out how well versed on roads, various highways, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam is. He's the guy 
that knows exactly how like to get to a place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this Maybe is he's even like, without Google Maps. Josh I think is just thinking like Sam's driving right now. He must be thinking about directions. <laughs> what was Sam saying a couple of weeks ago? Oh yeah, directions. <laughs> like Sam, Sam is Sam... just trying to like bond with Toby. Oh, this like is just all part of his plan. Delaying their arrival. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're lost. I guess spend more time in the car. What if the way that Sam knows all the directions Road he trip. is through celestial navigation? Hmm. Like that's how he figured it all out. Hmm. Hmm. Is this real? <laughs> <laughs> so Sam flashes his his, his quote unquote ID at this guy. He says he's from the White House. Go get your watch, Commander. The officers totally not buying it, but Sam pulls like a confidence uh game on him a little bit you walk in here you tell me you work for the president officer peter we're in a certain amount of trouble tonight and the only thing i've got going for me is that you're in more trouble than we are my name is sam seaborn i work for the president and the sooner you reach the conclusion that i'm telling you the truth the better off we're all gonna be why don't you go get your watch commander he's like listen everything's gonna be better if you just start believing me he scares the shit out of him because the cop like backs away slowly with this yeah look he of, won't like, turn his back to him on his face uh, I'll get my boss, sir. Even right after that, after Sam's all tough looking, he turns around and gives like another directions thing. It's still on his mind. Um, he says, You have Roberto Mendoza locked up back there. Sir, please state your business here. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. My business is to tell you to unlock the cell and give me Mendoza. Sergeant, you come in here 10 o'clock at night. You tell me you're with the White House and I'm supposed to just Sorry. And then the craziest thing in the entire episode happens where the other officer looks down at the desk and he sees a copy of the Hartford Chronicle <laughs> which has bold headline President drafts letter to Senate leaders. That's <laughs> a picture of the president <laughs> and Toby. <laughs> I did not catch that. I thought, I'm pretty sure yeah. the headline said "Old white dude works in White House." <laughs> and then they look at Toby like as if they're seeing a picture of like someone who's dead, and Toby is the ghost of that person. <laughs> He's the I, newspaper man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the slowest news day in it history. Him. President newspaper writes letter. Guy. <laughs> And then, so then he looks at, he holds the paper up and he kind of like shows it, but it's, it's like behind a desk and Toby's purposely standing five or six feet back. So he can't see this newspaper. He, the guy shows it to the guy next to him. Toby gives this like, yeah, bitch, that's me on the cover of the Hartford Chronicle. I know what I'm on the cover. He's probably of got a Google alert. So he knows all the newspapers on which he's the cover. Toby's like resting bitch face is like an eye, like a. <laughs> eye roll where he doesn't ever have to roll his eyes and you just feel it <laughs> so i freeze framed the paper and there's a there's a first column article too and that's actually like has text in it. it's not just like gibberish and it actually sounds like a pretty interesting story it says former star lawmaker is the prosecution's new star witness his legendary credibility is attacked <laughs> Oh, so that's, that's the other story that's going on in Hartford that day. So but then, I, then the actual the guy that writes the fake newspapers for movie and TV. Well, then the actual story underneath it, you can like kind of read the copy, and it's all about like a guy getting a head injury on a bus. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's usually completely not, unrelated. This it's is usually not very on point. People, I'm the guy. I'm Dude, your guy. I no. will make it. When they do the freeze frame and they're talking about it on their shitty podcast, they're going to be pointing out how accurate your shit was. When you say shitty podcast, I Someone else's. you're referring to one of the other Another, yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcasts. The Molina one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and then, so yeah, this is the worst prop I've ever seen. It makes, what is this newspaper that they're reporting President Draft's letter? And then the phone rings and what toby or somebody says that's the governor on the yeah, line sam. sam says it um let my let my dude go <laughs> and then i and think do, they do, give so in at that point this immediately launched me into like a long thought process of like did when they got there they like called up the governor of connecticut and they're like okay give us like seven and a half minutes okay <laughs> just so that this can be as badass as possible thanks is this corrupt <laughs> uh i think the yes. plane the plane ride i think is corrupt and assuming that they chartered it but if it was already flying and they just threw, no, I, threw them on there i, I think that's I, probably okay i'm willing to believe that the air force makes a certain number of private planes available to key 
congressional staff or White House staff for, for business. Or they're just flying routes constantly anyways, and you Maybe. can hop on the next one coming. That's, you know, yeah. one happens to be leaving in 20 minutes. Go get exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I, so that part, I, I don't think this is like the, the what was it? The, the front man or the, what was the guy? The advanced man. Advanced man. Right, right. But the, let's have the governor scrub the record on this thing and nope. get our well, court nominee think- out of a legal arrest even though so, it's like kind of well they seem to up. be doing the sort of police department a favor because if this did get out it would mostly look really bad for the police department because they arrested him well, for so, being a minority so i i don't they don't give you enough details although they kind of do this happened late friday night and they were talking about how there isn't a judge available. And so I don't think he's been formally charged with anything, right? Like, so they filed paperwork documenting the arrest. But a lot of times you can arrest someone, bring them in for questioning, and then after you question them, you just let them go because you don't have anything to hold them. What happens to that paperwork? It could be filed. Maybe it could be expunged. I think it just depends on whatever the rules happen to be in that district. Well, Toby makes a point of saying there's not going to be a report. Yeah. So it sounds like they just wanted no paper trail on I this. Think like this never, this literally never happened. Probably police have a certain amount of discretion in how they deal with that. And they may be able, they may have the discretion to like just get rid of a report like that. I don't know. All seems above board to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely pulling strings though. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, after that, they cut to Josh's. The end of Josh's press conference, and it's mostly the post-press conference, Josh is extremely sweaty up on the podium, and then he leaves, and Carol gives him harsh, harsh side-eye, bordering on straight-on eye, <laughs> like she's just <laughs> staring him down. Donna uh, Donna's is... Donna's more forceful in her denunciation, <laughs> or her confusion. Oh my God, Josh. I mean, oh my God. I can fix this. How? I can fix this. I don't think you can. This would be a great time to feel a little support from you, Donna. Is this (laughs) pre-OMG? CJ comes in. She mad. Toby comes in. He mad. Yeah, Toby's pretty mad. Have you fallen on your head? Listen, have you fallen down and hit your head on something hard? I don't know. That whole scene's pretty awesome. It's great. Josh is, it's all going to be fine. I'm really sorry about this face. Is. He's he's very boyish. That like boyish charm thing of his comes out in this scene, I think. Oh, someone new in the fan club. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good Josh episode. He's great. Sam comes in. He's not mad. He thinks it was funny. He what is he what is the weird reference he makes? Okay. I looked this up. He says he compares him to Dave Carney. Dale Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Wow. Right? Something (laughs) like that? Although I gotta say, telling a reporter's question stupid is not like a page out of Dale Carnegie or anything. I thought, How did you look it up and get the name 100% wrong? Because I'm reading my notes that look like a crazy person wrote them. So, um, but, she okay, did. I know who he is, though. He is an author, and he wrote a lot of like sort of self-help, self-improvement books about being a good salesman and a lot of public speaking things. I don't totally understand how it relates to so he he specifically cites when josh said the reporter's question was stupid but maybe he's like you need to learn more about public speaking (laughs) right so i looked this up too the the last thing that the google wikipedia entry says and like the first thing is that his courses were about interpersonal skills which i could probably use to be honest but josh could definitely use so i think that's what he meant this like i think the whole how to the, I'm looking at some of the guy's books. It's like, how to stop worrying and start living. The leader in you. How to enjoy your life and your job. It sounds like it's uh, positivity yeah. type stuff. So insulting somebody off the bat is probably a bad uh, approach there. So Sam has a little fun with Josh about the press conference. And then... Oh, also, did anyone mention that this is the second episode in a row where a woman is yelling at Josh at his desk while another person is interpreting what they're saying? <laughs> no. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, because CJ still has yeah. root, root canal, root gauze canal. in her mouth. So Leo says a thing. The only thing that could make this day worse is if Roberto Mendoza got involved. And uh, guess Whoops. what? Roberto Mendoza is now involved. But it's actually a different issue. It's not the DUI thing yet. It's that he got involved in the O'Leary controversy, the HUD secretary, and he 
he said he called a paper to say that the president shouldn't have said she should apologize because the remarks actually were racist. This guy is not good Supreme Court nominee material. He's this a is real a bad Bernie, move bro. here. Apparently, he's done it even a few times. They say there's been a few calls that he's made to comment on the issues of the day. So the president's going to get in from New Orleans at 3:30 a.m., but they all got to meet in the morning. Leo came into the scene earlier. He's very mad at everybody too, especially Josh. A lot of this is our fault. And the president probably isn't going to take this very well. And we just want you to know that we will be there with you in spirit tomorrow morning. You're going to be there with me in every way imaginable, Josh. You bet. 7 a.m. Which, which Leo's great in that scene. Yeah. He's so mad at them. <laughs> There's a scene where Toby goes to meet Mendoza after that in the cell. Very dramatic lighting. It looks... It kind of looks like the brig in the Battlestar Galactica a little bit. <laughs> the, the, oh, that's kind of yeah. funny. Aww. Yeah, it has. I, it reminded Adama. me of like the DS9 and sort of Star Trek lighting where everything's just like heavy shadows. Yeah, and green. So you don't <laughs> yeah, notice how bad the makeup is. This, uh, this one's another one that looks like Toby's going to torture him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a setup. The setup looks like it could be for that. There's a pretty funny scene after that. It's Charlie trying to wake up the president. And he doesn't want to get up. He only had three hours of sleep. Uh, Charlie didn't get any sleep. And the he does say a thing like, do you want me to have the stewards bring you some coffee and a copy of the post? Which sounds pretty nice. I think I could wake up earlier if I had people kind of prepping everything for like me. A, a series of butlers I and assistants. I would like send someone in to like, dress me while I'm still sleeping so I can get every extra minute. Charlie almost does that to the president. Yeah. <laughs> It's like holding a robe up for him. Yeah, so Charlie goes up to his room and there's like that guy waiting outside with like a table full of pastries and coffee and that seems so nice. Yeah, no, I still wouldn't get up. No? Not even for pastries. (laughs) I would eat the pastry in bed. Mm -hmm. And then go back to bed. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that's not the deal. That's living the dream. That's not the deal? Is that what the new deal is? By the way, like... I love how Sam, like, won't even leave the office if his phone is ringing, but, like, the freaking president just can't even get out of bed. Come on, wake up, dude. He only had three hours of sleep, though. Shoot. I think he needs your song. When he finally does get out of bed, though, and we see him in a later scene with the staff, he's wearing a three-piece suit. Like, way to get out of bed. (laughs) Like, he didn't just put on a regular suit. He has three whole pieces. It's just a vest. I learned that on this podcast. I know. It's not a big deal. Just, it's basically it looks, the same thing as a suit. It looks like more You're, buttoned up and less comfortable than a regular. I mean, technically suit. there are more buttons. Do they yeah. do they make on the like vest. a yeah. do they yeah. make like a suit jacket that just has like the front of a vest sewn whoa, whoa, into whoa, whoa, it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Guys, guys, like guys, a, guys, guys, guys. Like a dicky vest. <laughs> Four <laughs> piece suit. <laughs> what's, the, what's the fourth? Chaps. Shh. Yeah. It's gotta be some pants cover. Yeah. Did you hear me? Yeah. Four. four piece hoodie. Guys, it's not important. Oh, you're not going to tell us what the fourth piece is. It's not about that. It's, it's about, about... Like, the abstract conceptual fourth piece. Thank you. <laughs> it's a fancier Six suit. minute AM. Yeah. Like just the, now. Wait, hold on. The just fourth to... piece is in your mind. Mm-hmm. But wait, there's more piece in your mind. No. <laughs> Never mind. Let's move on. Thanks a lot. Just give, <laughs> give four piece a chance. So, you're on Jason <laughs> we're bringing you aboard Charlie has to go into the president's bedroom to wake him up and he taps him on the shoulder a little and the president has pretty good reflexes he does this like move where he catches his arm really quickly I would do like a hiya <laughs> he looks like it could have hurt him he I guess did. Charlie's pretty tough though Yeah, he's probably alright he was gonna kill a man in the last episode <laughs> that's true <laughs> And eventually he wakes up. I do like that um, the meeting was supposed to be at 7, but the president slept until 7, and then they they cut to the senior staff right after that, and they're all just waiting around in the office because they got there because the president was going to meet them at 7, so they can't be late. <laughs> but then the president's like get, starting to take a shower at 7, and then he got took a, must have taken a while to put a three-piece suit on. Right. It's just the same as a suit. There's an extra piece. It's one more piece, guys. That's an extra what? Seven, eight minutes. Are you serious? Have (laughs) you ever worn a vest? Each button will take at least two minutes. You know someone's buttoning it for him. You think? Yeah, I think. Charlie? 
What about the guy outside the door? He's not just the pastry guy. Billy. He does more than one He's thing. Pa- pastries and buttons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that job. Yeah. There's a little more Sam Directions talk in this next scene. He's driving from Nova Scotia to Washington. Yeah. How does a person do that? Oh, my guess is he'll take the Trans-Canada Highway to New Brunswick, then maybe catch the one and take the scenic route along the coast of Maine, 95 through New Hampshire to the Mass Pike, and then cut over to the Meredith Parkway around Milford. Oh, so I figured it out. So it's not that Sam knows all there is to know about the directions ahead of time and just slow plays Toby. He's so ashamed at having gotten lost that that night he doesn't sleep and just studies all of the roads in the entirety of North North America <laughs> and has come in you're having breaking, memorized them all. You're screwing at the continuity. But you know This, this is before the jail scene. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 This no, is part they, of the story. No, this is where they all own up to stuff, right? No, yeah, but the uh, the Mendoza the, thing hasn't happened yet. The only Mendoza Damn thing that's happened is him say like making a comment about O'Leary. Yeah. But also when you say <laughs> I, like I just realized that. something, you're supposed to yell Eureka. So yeah. Just keep that in mind next time. All right. <laughs> President comes in, super cranky. Um they all have to describe their various fuck ups, mostly Josh, <laughs> to him. And then Josh does a thing where he tells the story of what's been happening since the beginning of the story that he's telling. So he tells a story. It's like Hamlet a little bit. <laughs> he tells a story within a story about itself. <laughs> it's very, it's like Inception level of... It's three levels deep of Josh telling the story at this point. This is why he's so good at summarizing the story in the beginning of the episode. Maybe that's why it took after. so long because when he told the story in the story he just started from the beginning yeah (laughs) and he told the entire story again (laughs) (laughs) so the president like tells josh that he not only created a secret plan to fight inflation but he also now doesn't support it (laughs) which is like my favorite line in the episode (laughs) then they cut back to the police station so this is like real time again now it's sam and the cops actually the guy says i still think maybe he was drunk and then Sam drops a bomb on him, and he's like, "This guy, he's got hepatitis C or whatever." I is it hepatitis? Okay, but does he? He's got some sort of liver. Chronic issue. persistent hepatitis or something. That like is, that. yeah, it's something like that. I looked it up. Um, but my and he question, can't drink. But but is that true? I couldn't now, find that. According to the West Wing wiki, it is true. However, <laughs> they source this episode. <laughs> And I'm not sure if they've done their due diligence because I'm a little because because also in this scene, he, Sam is asked if he has new codes and he tells the officer he does have the new codes. So he's not above lying in this scene. But, no, but not just that. Hmm. When he is talking to Josh at the beginning of the episode, he doesn't say we know for a fact he can't have been drinking. No, he did say it like that. But he's like, they say he doesn't drink. But he and, bring and then that he's up. like, Josh is like, "Are you sure?" And he's like, "Roberto Mendoza doesn't drink." Right. But no. he should have said. Uh, maybe he's just like talking. He's like, he "That's dead. the line." But then also they Men- threw yeah. him Mendo- a party. Like sometimes you drink at your party. No, but he can't drink. There was a party. He can't drink. Wow. He'd be dead. Sounds like a according pussy. to a poorly cited article that you read. That <laughs> actually reminds me of <laughs> no, Wikipedia. Wait. <laughs> it's, a, it's the cited article is Sam. <laughs> saying it in this episode we cited this episode yes so we don't know i mean that's that's probably correct. the best source really i wouldn't really believe any other source on wikipedia i remember there was a thing i read i think i mentioned it in a previous episode where they cited bartlett for i think America. it was big block of cheese day yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. i just like, think these wikipedia writers should just be a little bit more credulous that's all yeah you should start policing that i am uh, this is a pretty funny scene because they're like making small talk a little bit. I I don't know what rank this officer would have, but just like the the subordinate officer, the one that's making small talk with Sam. He's a he's a cop. He's a cop. Yeah, <laughs> that guy, the actor, is like really trying to add some complication to the scene by like reaching out in a friendly way to make small talk but then like looking sort of sideways sideways at his as his supervisor he does great facial work in he'll be scene. like oh am i am i like 
kind of like breaking through the, the wall of authority here but that actor is not working with him on that at all <laughs> like there's no sort of like now jimmy like tone it down a bit looks it's just like he plays it straight no nonsense cop yeah uh, after that the, the meeting with toby and mendoza in the jail cell and they have a they have a real heart to heart that toby had set up earlier toby's basic thrust is give me a break you can't you can't be making all these press scandals like we're trying to get you appointed to the supreme court and this is a delicate dance and then mendoza goes on about like oh i have my principles and we need to i need if i don't stand up for this then like what's the point like i'm I'm a man of principle basically right so mendoza claims he wasn't drinking and that he was just pulled over because he's a brown-skinned he folk. said because my name is tell him my name's roberto mendoza and the president's named me to the bench they pulled me over because i look like my name is roberto mendoza and i'm coming to rob your house roberto mendoza, roberto mendoza. <laughs> A.K.A. Machete. <laughs> no, it's a different That's guy. another one? But okay. I, I look like I'm coming to rob your house. Yes, he does say that. That's not just something racist Jason said. <laughs> so he's uh, he's going to make them go through with the arrest. He's going to make them press charges, take them to court, and then he's going to hear about the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I find it hard to believe that anyone could be prejudiced against a Latino judge. But... It's crazy. Yeah. Does he have Mexican heritage? And I just want to say, that's great. I don't know. It's great. Do they ever say? They never say. Hmm. Eventually, Toby talks him into it. And he's like, if you want to be a Supreme Court justice, like, shut the fuck up for like two (laughs) weeks and we'll get you on the Supreme Court and you can make all these changes that you want. Nothing about this that doesn't stink. Nothing about it that wouldn't be better if you were Supreme Court justice. Finally, he, he decides, you know, I'm going to not stay on my ground here and I'll go through with you getting me off. And then uh, they go out to the police. Oh, back to the apologies. We have more apologies now. Because now, now Toby's like, now, cop, you got to say you're sorry to this nice judge man. Right. And he does. And, and he does. He, he's like, thank you. It's very curtain dismissive. You said the thing we made you say. That's so a now, really awkward scene all so around. That's interesting. The moral of this episode is, in the end, the 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 way that presidential power is exerted is by making people apologize to other people. Yeah. <laughs> Racism's okay, but then you just say the nice words after. And it's funny, you, you make racists apologize in one scene, but mm-hmm. in the other scene you make the person calling out the racist apologize. <laughs> Karma. Yeah. Both racists and... Racies, I'm going to assume that's the word, uh, have to sometimes apologize. Yeah, when the president says so. Hmm. So this whole thing's wrapped up, and on the way out, Sam takes a chance to get one last burn in. I also got to say, you guys could do a better job of marking the exits on the throughway. It seems like everything worked out, so they're going to make the arrest go away. Josh gets a phone call to say everything's done. He gets ends up getting, what, three phone calls during the course of the interview thing he's doing. And then he does the thing where he basically says what happens. He's like, I, there's one more really interesting thing about Mendoza that happened, but I can't tell you. But that's a whole nother story. Actually, it's the same story, but they can't say. <laughs> but it seems like people would start maybe looking into that. He says a lot of things that are like very insidery that... Like yeah, the, all the details is, on like the forcing somebody to say they're sorry and stuff. That seems like it would be a big story. Yeah. And this is like what, 24 hours after it happened? Mm-hmm. If that. I'm so yeah, it's still kind of in the news. Yeah. But uh, that's the end of the episode. So it's uh he just says like later guys, I'll tell you about it next time. After this Mendoza's on the bench. I notice he doesn't take questions after all that. No, they actually do. He's they, really? uh, as it's fading no, to black. The that. guy's like, Oh, no way okay now for some questions so yeah that's presumably going to be another three that's like plus the most hours. interesting part of any of those you know He's gonna call <laughs> the q a yeah <laughs> um and then there's the credit shot it's uh the staff and the president when they're all like breaking the the news to him um so yeah you guys got some headlines we got yeah. some hands. i got, got some headlines some. what you got okay uh let's do them by topic i have one about mendoza okay um this could be like about any of the things that he has done. Um, Mendoza throws White House for Menduzi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I have 
<laughs> I have a sim- similar stupid one about the about the Thank hu- you. The, 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 the HUD racism thing. Uh, so her name was Secretary O'Leary, yeah. and I called her Secretary O'Smeary. Oh. <laughs> Boom. It's kind of the same. I have one about her also. I don't know if this quite works, but her spokesperson was named Donald Morales, and I wanted to say O'Leary's spokesperson says Republicans have no morale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got, I got one about that. I got one about that. I oh. said... Dem fits shoe in mouth. <laughs> and then there would be a readout and it would say, uses awful cliche in critiquing GOP. <laughs> this is as if, uh, this is in in the world yeah. in which they were so concerned about the GOP. Right, yeah, that's what they would. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy, she was insulting, his name Wooden, Wooden, I think is his name, Representative Wooden, and I have, Wooden, you like it, an apology. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's the HUD secretary, and so I said she was out for HUD. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I think I skipped my Mendoza opportunity, but we'll, I'll circle back to that one. No prob cause causes probs for Connecticut sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> no probs cause. <laughs> um, and then I had guy standing in front of you works in White House. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had one about the Josh Presser. Secret inflation plan. That's it. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Related, I have... Yeah. Would it be like question mark, exclamation point? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have lie, man. No secret inflation plan. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I, I had... Uh, when life hands you lie, man... <laughs> Brayden, we're like on dot, the dot, same dot. page because I have Lyman is a lemon. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Um, I had Danny's article. It's low unemployment. Actually, it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Danny Kincannon, no longer allowed to ask questions in the president's White House. (laughs) And then I had one that I, this is my favorite one I did. Um, So we talked about the uh, Fed's response to inflation is usually to lower interest rates. So it's, White House responds with little interest to inflation worries. <laughs> nice. It works on two levels. <laughs> nice, nice. I just came up with a headline in response to Braden's news that Danny's no allowed. longer allowed to ask headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up story. Yeah, it's Danny can't cannon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I had one here. Um, I called it Duke nuke comms and there would be a picture of Sam <laughs> Seaborn and it would explain that the White House communications big claims to have nuke codes also for that line I thought we might go with Sam Seaborn identity cause you know oh. he goes like government stuff yeah yeah. that's it oh wait that's it <laughs> we all, is everyone out? I'm out so I just had a really funny thought that in the world of that where like that place in Connecticut where a newspaper like that exists, <laughs> the next day's newspaper would be a picture of the police of the officer holding up, the- holding up the newspaper. <laughs> Area man reads <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> Area man meets person on front of newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, final thoughts. Final thoughts. For me, this was the best wing. I really like the format of the storytelling and the ridiculously 24-hour-long interview that Josh had at the school. And it, like, so many things happened, which and so it was so busy the whole episode, but it was also really funny. Like, yeah, this is a pretty good the, episode. One of it's, the funniest. It's ones. definitely a vest wing. That's like <laughs> a three piece suit. A three piece suit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like quite best, you know. But you add that three piece suit. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty nice. Vest but think about this four piece suit. <laughs> Just think about it. So I think this was a a best wing and an arrest wing. Wow. Oh. And it, you know it. It's a good day in the life episode, but like spiced up enough where it's not just like, you know, ho ho. And uh, yeah, really funny. Had some poignant stuff in there, but wasn't heavy handed with it. Um, There wasn't like an epic debate about a particular issue, but you know, that's okay. 
But they did get a, a lot of like important issues, like they snuck some education policy. True. And they snuck in the racial inequality with the arrests and such. Yeah, which and, is very timely. And they made a kind of convincing argument for why someone should compromise their principles in the short term, you know, in order to achieve something in the long term. Yeah, I think Toby's totally right there. It's 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 hard to agree, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's painful to agree just because you you also are convinced by like he should stick it to the man because well, he Mendoza, can. because Mendoza's like, look, for me to circumvent the system that I create help create and reinforce is so hypocritical so deeply hypocritical like the how i would expect anyone else to come to me as a judge and deal with this through the law and here you are trying to like getting me out of jail with your get out of jail card and that sucks but i think you know toby Toby makes spring court's a big deal (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um yeah i think i agree i think this is maybe it's not the best episode of the show by any means but it's definitely the most like confidently plotted of any of the episodes so far and the there's great josh great sam uh cj's root canal thing is hilarious the president's funny in this one too and you got to give him props for the plot device it's just well well done all around yeah and i think you don't really see shows do that that much anymore take kind of a risk where they completely change the mechanism of the storytelling in this way and it went really well also, they fully subordinate Mandy to like a bit character, which oh, is yeah. just great. She, she literally comes in and reads a news story to I the other characters. This is the beginning of the end. Like they could have just saved money and got an extra. <laughs> oh wait, I got one more thing. Oh, we have one more thing. Five piece suit. <laughs> That's insane. That's crazy. That's too many pieces. That's too many pieces. <laughs> <laughs>